Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of years ago, my wife and my son Simon, who actually is named after the Simon from our story this morning, spent a lovely day out at my sister-in-law's lake house in Whitewater. It was a little too cold to go swimming, and so we decided to try our hand at fishing. Simon had never been fishing. So we dug out a tiny little plastic bright pink fishing rod with Dora the Explorer on it, a tiny little hook and a little red and white bobber. Now, we had no bait to speak of, uh, but we scrounged through the refrigerator and we found some expired string cheese, and we figured, man, what's the worst that could happen, right? So we hooked a little bit of string cheese on there, and Simon plopped the line right over the edge of the dock. And I literally was just about to say, now, son, fishing takes some patience. When literally less than 10 seconds, he caught a fish. It was a beautiful, not big, but a beautiful little sunfish. Apparently, fish in Wisconsin love string cheese. (laughs) Who knew? He was so excited. We took a bunch of pictures. We gently placed the fish back in the water. And from then on, our family, we don't do a lot of fishing, but we're fairly concerned, or we're fairly convinced that all you have to do to be a good fisherman is have a little plastic Dora fisher pole and a piece of string cheese. I have yet to be proven wrong. Fishing is a fascinating metaphor for the life of faith. It's one that appears in really several gospel stories. It's interesting because fishing can take so many different forms, right? Fishing can be a leisure activity, can be a profession, a livelihood, something you need for your very survival, a competitive sport, or a massive corporate enterprise. And indeed, the Christian faith has taken on all of that and more at various times. And I'll leave you to be the judge as to which is more or less biblical. Fishing also takes a variety of different skills or backgrounds. You can have lots of skill, you can have lots of experience, you can have lots of wisdom, all the right equipment, know where to go, what the weather should be, what time of day, or it could be just plain dumb luck, a little plastic rod and a piece of string cheese. Who knows? Right? And so it is with the life of faith. There can be great technologies, all the wisdom, all the experience, or simply stumbling and fumbling your way into God's promised gifts. There's lots of different ways for us to engage the life of faith. And yet, I think as we understand the broad diversity of ways to respond to God's call, to respond to the call to follow Jesus, to be a disciple, I think it's interesting and important for us to know, at least at the beginning, what exactly this life is about in the first place. And there can be lots of different ways to fish, but what are we fishing for? What's the point? And this gospel text, especially from the Gospel of Luke, I think really points us in the direction of discovering what lies at the heart of this adventure to which we are called. You know the story, and yet there are some particular details, so let's, let's explore a bit. We first meet Simon and his friend, Simon Peter, as he is sometimes called. And these are professional fishermen. This is their 
profession. This is their job. It is what they do for their livelihood and their very survival. And we meet them early in the morning, having worked the third shift. They have been out all night long in the boat, and they have nothing but empty nets, shame, and dejection to show for it. They are exhausted, washing their nets with nothing to take home to feed their family or to sell at the market. And along comes Jesus with a huge crowd of people. Which is great, right? Because now all of your neighbors get to see how much you suck at fishing. (laughs) Great way to start the day. Jesus comes and he says, Hey, Simon, I need your boat. Whatever. And I don't really know anything about boats, so I'm going to need you to, I don't know, drive? Is that what we say? Whatever. So Jesus climbs in the boat and they push a little bit out. And he speaks. We have no idea if Simon is listening at all. He's got a lot on his mind that morning. But when Jesus is finally done talking, he says, all right, now what do you say we go fishing? Doesn't that sound fun? Great. Spent all night fishing. We got nothing. Jesus is from a landlocked little backwater town several, many, many miles to the west. He knows nothing of boats, nothing of fishing. But sure, why not? Let's go fishing. And you know what? Why don't we try it out there? Uh, You know, a little further from shore, out where it's deeper, a little bit murkier, a little bit choppier. Might be fun. Maybe we'll catch something. Let's just give it a try. Fine. So they head out, exhausted, not knowing what they're headed into. And you know, the net is full. Full to breaking. Full so much that they have to call over their friends, James and John and some others, to throw down their nets to help them catch it in. And then there they are out in the deep, choppy, murky water, and the boats begin to sink. There's that many fish. And after hauling and pulling and all they had to do, they finally get to the shore. And now they have this giant pile of fish. And the first thing that Simon does is he throws himself down on the ground at Jesus' knees. And he says, Go away, for I am a sinful man. What? Am I the only one who finds that kind of an odd response? To a giant pile of fish suddenly caught after a long night with nothing, and the first thing out of Simon's mouth is, I am a rot-gut sinner. Why? I mean, what in this story has anything at all to do with sin? My guess is that you were probably raised like I was to think that sin is something of a moral failing, right? Sin is knowing what the rules are and not following them, knowing where the boundaries are and crossing them, knowing what you're supposed to do and deciding not to. But sin is something you did that's wrong, and there are consequences for that. But, But what has Simon done? What what is he confessing here in confessing his sin? There's nothing in the story. We have to imagine, assume, supply all kinds of things to know why on earth would Simon fall down at Jesus' feet in the midst of all those fish and confess his sin. 
N.T. Wright is a brilliant scholar, an English theologian, who uh, just at the end of last year published a, a really interesting book. It's called The Day the Revolution Began. It's about uh, the cross, understanding the crucifixion through some new eyes, more biblical eyes. It's an interesting book, but essentially uh, the argument hinges on, on, on Wright saying, you know what, for a long time Christians have gotten the cross wrong. And the reason that we've gotten the cross wrong is because the cross is the solution to a problem. It's the answer to a question, but we have been asking the wrong question. That is to say, if the cross is the solution to sin, we have to know what sin is. And he argues that we've gotten the definition of sin wrong this whole time. You see, we, especially since the Victorian puritanical era, have been obsessed with sin as a sort of moral failure, right? You know the rules and you break them. He says, that's not what sin is about at all. That might be the consequence of sin. That might be sort of the next step. But sin is something deeper than that. He said, if we don't get what sin is, then the cross is going to be distorted. So before he talks about the cross, and we'll get to that maybe, I don't know, in Lent, at this point, he wants to talk about sin. He says, what sin is, biblically speaking, is not about breaking rules or being a bad person. But it is a failure to realize and to practice our vocation. It's a failure of calling. It's a failure to know who God made us to be. And this story from the Gospel of Luke tells me that I think right is on to something. Because when Peter, Simon Peter, for whatever reason, confesses his sin... The response is not what you just heard when you all stood to confess our sin, right? When we confess our failures to do what we know we're supposed to do, to to be the people, good people that God made us to be, we expect to hear, you are forgiven. But forgiveness has nothing to do with this story. Instead, in response to Peter, to Simon Peter, what Jesus says is about vocation. It's about calling. Simon says, I'm sinful. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Let's do something else. Let's be who you were made to be. And he couches it in terms of fishing. But it's about calling. It's about being what God made us to be. How we live that out, boy, that can take all kinds of shape. But who are we made to be? is what we must understand before we can even begin to know how God will help us get there. So the question that we wrestle with today, especially during this season of growing into the faith that was born in Bethlehem, is what are we called to? And Wright argues that what we are called to, what our vocation is, that's what it means to be called, it's vocation. What our vocation is, is nothing more and nothing less than realizing and living as if it were true that we are made in the image of God. That in the beginning, God created us and put God's own face in our skin. Wrote God's own self into our DNA. Inscribed on our flesh and blood is God's own image. And so that wherever we go, we bear that image into the world. It's there whether we like it or not, whether we see it or not. Our calling, our vocation is to see it, 
in ourselves and to live as though it were true. That's the calling to which we are called. And that's what sin is, is when we miss it. When we don't see it. And so Jesus comes to show us what it looks like to be a real, full human being made in God's image to death and beyond. So what does that look like in practical terms? You see, the trouble with with stories like this one from the Gospels is that it often, I think, implies that, that to be called, to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus means leaving everything behind and doing something else entirely. Going somewhere else, following Jesus to Africa or Canada or whatever, and doing something completely else with your life. Leaving behind your family, your home, a giant pile of fish sitting on the shore, and going somewhere else. Now, sometimes that happens. It happens sometimes in the scriptures. It happens sometimes in life and in history. But my guess is 99.9% of the time, for most of us sitting here, that's not what that looks like. We haven't left our home, we haven't left our family, we haven't left everything behind to do something else entirely. So if that's what call is, if that's what discipleship is, well, that's for a really small group of monks in the desert or the disciples who Jesus first called, not for us. But that is who we are. Because we say and we confess and we believe that in the deep, choppy, murky waters of baptism, that's precisely what has happened is that we have left all of that behind. Our self, as it was, is drowned in the water, and we are reborn, restored, renewed, to live the rest of our lives, living as if we are indeed the bearers of God's own image. Which means, friends, that you might do tomorrow exactly what you were doing on Friday, but you may do it with new eyes. It means that wherever you go, whether it's to the grocery store or driving down the road or going to work or going to school or going to the voting booth or going to the inauguration or going to a protest march or going into conversation at the steaming cup with your neighbors or going to the kids' soccer game or wherever it is that you might go this week, you go as one who bears on your very skin, written in your flesh and blood, the image of the living God. And who is this God? This is a God who creates. This is a God who masterfully has created this beautiful world in which we live, teeming with life, clean waters, overflowing with fish and all manner of species, Trees that are buzzing with birds and insects. A world that is richly created that God longs to see preserved, protected, restored, and renewed. And therefore, we as people who share God's image and God's vocation in the world work to do the same. Not to destroy and exploit, but instead to work for the flourishing of all life. It means that we see in our own flesh and blood, in our own skin, when we look in the mirror... The image of the living God. One who gives and maintains life. And therefore, that is built into the skin and the DNA of every other person we meet. You see, when when God created us in the beginning, God did not say, let us create Christians in our own image. Or Jews in our own image. Or Americans in our own image. God said, let us make humankind in our own image. 
which means that everyone, no matter where they're from, no matter who they love, no matter what their family looks like, no matter where they have been or where they're headed, every single human being bears in their skin, written on their flesh and blood, the image of the living God, and therefore is worthy of all dignity and respect to be regarded as brother, as sister, as sibling, as friend, even if they are foe, even if they are stranger, regardless of what boundaries or borders we have arbitrarily drawn around the land where they live. This is the life to which we are called in every aspect of what we do. Whether we are out fishing or working at a bank, building homes, raising children, coaching basketball. This is who we are. And it is hard work. Because we so often want to protect ourselves before others. It's hard work because we so often wake up after a long night of sleeplessness, wondering how we're going to get things done. It's hard work because it's just not the way the world works. It's risky to go out into the deeper water. It's risky to see in the face of a neighbor God's own image, one for whom Christ died. And so thanks be to God, Jesus doesn't say, hey, I got a job for you to do. Go for it and have fun. But rather, Jesus says, do not be afraid. I'll go first. To the cross and beyond, I'll go first. Follow me. Live with me as God has made us to be. And we'll get there. So let's go. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.